0: Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello everyone and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Normally we would open with, you know, hi, my name's Casey. Hi, my name's Matt. But given that the movie we're about ready to review did not open with an opening crawl, I guess we can just forget
1: that as well. No, I'm joking. (laughs)
0: My name is Casey.
1: My name is Matt. That was good. I don't know. Yeah, when you said you had an opening, I was like, ah, I like it.
0: I wasn't sure if that would work or not, but we are talking about Rogue One today, Matt, um, as we kind of continue our our Star Wars trajectory of, of going through the saga. And, and this made news back when, when, when it opened or back when it was made that it wasn't going to do the normal Star Wars tropes, which was the opening crawl and the, the, the screen swipes that you normally get when, with, with Star Wars movies.
1: Yeah, I think putting this movie in context, this comes out a year after Episode 7. So Episode 7 was 2015. Rogue One comes out in 2016. And at the time, I remember this movie. It wasn't, being, even, it
0: wasn't even a year, though. It was like five months. It was, like, it it was, was quick. December and then it was April.
1: Like, it, was it was very there. quick. Yeah. And I remember you know talking with a lot of people in the Star Wars community and Star Wars fans that they were very nervous about Rogue One. Yeah. Because it was well, what is Disney going to do with it? Is Disney going to like kidify it? And what is a Star Wars story? And are they going to retcon a bunch of stuff that's going to be awful? And are they going to? It was this very. Everyone was very, very nervous about it. Well, it was. It was. It was kind of made with this announcement
0: of of this idea of this anthology series that they were going to be making, that there were going to be all of these, you know, movies that fit between the star Wars saga, but had, had loose ties to them, you know, and if I'm not mistaken, they made the announcement about rogue one at the same time. They made the announcement about solo too, or, or very soon thereafter. And solo got panned and we've already covered solo is kind of being, you know, on its own. It's a great movie. And, and I think it's a lot of fun and it kind of got, um, I, I think it got a lot of uh, negative attention, which is what caused it to tank. But Rogue One again was one of those things where it was like, "What is this? Like, you know, you've already classified all this other stuff as Star Wars Legends. So are we making new Star Wars Legends? Are we what? what like, what what are we doing with that? And so, well,
1: yeah, yeah. I think I think the fear too was all of the characters in that movie clearly are not in Episode Four. Yep. And so it was. What happens to these characters? Because I, I think a lot of people thought that the fear was okay. Again, at this time, you, you know, this is early on in in Star Wars being owned by Disney and Disney content coming from, you know, or Star Wars content coming from Disney. And so everyone had this like, oh my gosh, is Disney gonna, you know, dumb it down, water it down? And so people were very concerned that this that they weren't going to have meaningful arcs with these characters and that it was just going to kind of be explained away. And like, this is why they aren't in episode four. And, and I, I, a lot of people were, were very, very fearful of this movie. And, and-, and to, to explain it, I mean,
0: very early on. And, and this literally is what the movie is, but they were like, basically that opening crawl you see in star Wars episode four that's what this movie is going to be about. And it's like, how can you make a full two hour plus movie about, you know, that, X number of words, less than 60 second statement that happens at the front of the movie. So I think a lot of people were rightfully, rightfully uh, curious and uh, curious and concerned. And I was one of them. I mean, I remember I was pumped about Force Awakens. I loved Force Awakens. I know for a lot of people, they loved it. There were other people who were like, okay, maybe I don't know what's going on. Who's Ray? Who's this? And then when this movie was kind of coming out, I remember I was at the outlet. I was It was, uh, you know, uh, 2016 spring. We started putting all the stuff up about it, all the merchandise out. But I didn't have the Star Wars fever for Rogue One as I did for Star Wars Force Awakens until you see the movie. Oh,
1: my goodness. <laughs> and then
0: when you see the movie, because, you know, I'm one of those people who, and I've said it on this podcast before, I think one of the reasons why I have such a problem with, like, the cartoons and the animated series and and stuff is these are characters. A lot of the characters here you don't ever see within the greater Star Wars saga yet for this movie,
1: it worked like, oh, it and, and, worked. and we'll get to why it worked. And I think near the end here, but I was in the same boat as you very skeptical. And I can tell you the exact moment where I started to turn from a skeptic to a, Oh my gosh, this movie is going to be great. Mm-hmm. It was very early on in the movie. It is where Cassian Andor is meeting with his informant. So this is the first time we meet Cassian Andor. He's meeting with his informant and his formant gets all like flustered and all this stuff. And he kills him. And I was <laughs> like, oh, oh, <laughs> okay then. All yeah, right. I think one
0: of the reasons why so many Star Wars fans resonated with it is it had the grit and kind of the, the griminess of the original movie, because, I mean, it, it, if you follow the trajectory, right, the, the original Star Wars Episode Four, which, believe it or not, we haven't gotten to yet, but when we finally get there, Star Wars Episode four, it had this grimy, dirty, you know, kind of grittiness of of kind of almost like an independent film that was made, because it was. Then you come around, you get, you know, you get The Empire Strikes Back. You, obviously, Coming off the coattails of of episode four, people loved it. Definitely better production value. Then you get to episode, you know, then you get to the Return of the Jedi, which is an amazing movie, you know. But again, it kind of starts to get a little bit more fluffy. I think at that point, then of course the prequels come along and they're really fluffy, you know. <laughs> and then, and of course that the sequels are Disneyized. This, even though it was Disney, it felt gritty. It felt, I think, what made this so interesting was that you could have a little bit of a vested interest because you knew that it fit into the broader story, but in the same regard, you didn't have to get too attached to the characters because you
1: knew they weren't going to be along, around all that long. Does well, that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like the, it, it, you could take it for what it was. And, and yeah, yeah, I mean the moment I talked about that was where I was like, Oh, they're going really gritty with this. Yeah, Like this is not going to be a woohoo story. Like this is going to be, A pretty tragic story and I think what gets me is in episode 4 they reference all this stuff like many people died in order to get this to us and uh, you know and and it starts episode 4 starts with them being chased by the Empire and you really like don't feel that weight until you see this movie and uh, I think even though the characters are these one-off characters that we're never gonna see again they feel very complete and wonderful, and and all of them feel like really good characters in the Star Wars universe. I
0: think, too, you know, keep in mind, we had not had Solo yet at this point. You know, we've already reviewed Solo, so Solo we talked about doing a pretty good job of tying the old with the new. But before that, you had this, right? This, so it, it take Solo out of it for just a moment in terms of the broader plot of the, the Skywalker saga, we leave off at Revenge of the Sith, right? So we leave off, the Death Star's being built, you see Vader cross his arms, sitting next to the Emperor, right? Then we kind of take the side quest with Solo and what's going on over there. But now here we are back here. Basically what, what the creators have said is this is a week before the events of Star Wars Episode Four. So it's basically one week in time Leading up, and it's truly a a direct prequel. What I love about this movie is they do such a fantastic job of tying those, tying those connections that were left from episode 4 and were left from episode 3 which took place twenty 25 years, 30 years apart, right? In, In terms of when they were made. Lucas leaves such great connections in episode three that can get picked up in episode four. And this is kind of the thing that ties them all together. You know, like it, I'm, I'm going to use the example of, of Jimmy Smith's like friggin' Jimmy Smith comes back and reprises his row of, of Leia's adopted dad. Uh, 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 what's or, or Senator Organa. Organa. Yeah. Senator Organa. Like how amazing is that? Or again, you get Mon Mothma, uh in there. You, you, you get, you, you get all these I, I, I'm going to call them Easter eggs, but they're really not like they're in plain sight Easter eggs to help the Star Wars fan go. Yeah, this fits
1: perfectly. Well, and the other thing that fits perfectly is how they explain the hole that can blow <laughs> up the Death Star, because yeah. that was always the yes. butt of every joke. You know, Family yeah. Guy references it, whereas yeah. where it's, you know, OK, so it's completely indestructible. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute, you hesitated there. And, and he goes on, he's like, whoa, 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 that seems like a pretty big design flaw. Can we put some plywood over it or board it up? And, um, and that's always been the flaw of it, is like, okay, well, why did they put that port in there if that mm-hmm. could destroy the whole thing? This completely explains that, that this guy didn't want to build this thing and so made a small design flaw that no one would notice that could defeat the Death Star. That, to me, is an absolute genius put in there and completely makes sense in terms of wh- of how the Death Star was built. It's a retcon, but the way a retcon should be
0: used. It's not... It's not, like, over the top. It's not like, well, of course they did. No, no you look at it and go, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that was probably never Lucas's intention when he first did the movie, but I'll accept it. I'll take it. It's It's like you know, it's kind of like when Marvel did the whole retcon with the, the infinity gauntlet, right. You know, when, when, when Hela kind of pushes the fake, you know, it's kind of like, in that case, it was more humorous and it, and it made sense. But here, this fits right into the plot of the story, and you appreciate it. Or, or you know how Shang Chi kind of references the, the Ten Rings, which we're not going to get into right now. But again, kind of references the Ten Rings and and, and uh, the Mandarin and all the that stuff that happened in previous movies.
1: Yeah, you you pointed out. I mean, again, we'll get to our Shang-Chi review, but it was not over the top. They didn't reference it over the top. And this was the same thing, that it wasn't an over-the-top explanation. It was a very simple explanation that fit right in. And and so it just went very, very clear, fit seamlessly into the Skywalker saga.
0: I I also want to add real quick, too, that I think they do such an amazing job even though we're only going to be with these characters for two, two hours and 15 minutes or however long the movie runs, they do an amazing job at building a connection and, and relate. Really, you know, like you build a true connection to these characters, whether it's to Jen or so, or to Cassian or, or even Galen or so. And, and, you know, their family being ripped apart over this like within circumstances that they cannot control. I, um, I've been watching, you know, we're recording this on September 12th. Yesterday was the the twentieth anniversary of September eleventh, and Netflix has this documentary on right now called the uh, the turning turning point. It's a five five part series of of kind of what happened and all that stuff. And i I've usually stayed clear away from this stuff during the anniversary because it's, it's a trigger for me. But being the twentieth anniversary, I've been watching it. I reference that because you know I'm thinking about how some of these people who were in the tower after this monumental thing happened to them, especially the people who were above where the hole was at. And they literally had, there was no choice. It was it, that, that what they were, their fate was sealed. Nothing they could do could fix that. Um, and I I kind of am relating the two in my mind, even though one's reality and one's fiction, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, this, this, you know, this fictional story we're talking about, you know, their fate was sealed in a lot of ways yet we were still able to connect with them by watching them the way that we did and the way that showrunners made the, the, um, the, the, the movie, you know what, does that make sense what I'm trying to say? No,
1: that absolutely makes sense. <laughs> I don't and know it, why it, I'm connecting the two in my head. Well, No, but, but it, it brings the end feels emotional yeah. when it very easily couldn't have, yeah. it could have already been easily like, cool. Why right. should I care about that character? Yeah. Um, I think they
0: do. And I don't, I think we'll get to the end, but I think, what I love about that is that okay. So what happens to them at the end? But that that doesn't end the movie because then it picks up and it literally goes full speed ahead and takes you into episode four. Like I, th- you know, I love how they end this because it literally brings you up to the moment of episode four. Like oh, yeah, you can
1: literally watch these two movies back to back and and not miss a beat. I mean, we've talked about the end a bunch, so we'll just we'll, we'll skip around the end. To me, that's what it now brings. Episode four, when you watch for the first time without this movie, it's like, oh, okay, like, someone's being chased. Awesome. This now is like, oh, Darth Vader goes on a rampage, and and this disc is slipped through here, and that pod is out. I mean, it is a... This happened... And that whole battle on, on the planet, uh, which name is escaping Scarif, me. Scarif, I think. Scarif, yes. um, Has just happened. Like, this is high pumping adrenaline moment and just at the beginning because at the beginning of a movie usually it's not the high pumping adrenaline it's usually the okay we're easing into the story whereas now I watch episode four and it's like oh my gosh like this is now it we're hitting the ground running have you seen the YouTube um, uh, conglomeration that someone's put
0: together of that so they took the last 10 minutes of episode of rogue one in the first like 10 minutes of episode four and literally jammed them together, but took out the opening crawl. So oh, it no. just continues. So it just continues with what, what you saw in rogue one right through episode. Like it's almost like it's its own scene. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it does exactly what you said. It, it, it literally is like, it just flies right into it. Yeah.
1: That's, and that's, that's what I loved. I just loved about it um and that whole i mean the darth vader showing up i know people are like people poke flaws in that but oh my gosh like that hallway scene where mm-hmm. he just destroys everyone i was giddy watching that in the theater
0: that that i i, I think there were people cheering as that was happening because that's like true darth vader right there like that is you know he he is truly like you know, an evil guy in that moment, that scene. And I think the scene when he's, he's in his, um, on his, his, his planet and his kind of his, his, his castle or his, you know, mm-hmm. his lair, if you will. And, and Krennic goes to, to visit him. Um, which by the way, if you, you, you know, a little bit about star Wars lore and star Wars history, that is straight up out of some of the, um, the Star Wars Legends stuff, mm-hmm. um, his his chamber and his lair and stuff there and him having his own planet. And it later surfaces, that planet that he's on surfaces later on in Episode 9, it gets talked about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I that the line that Darth Vader has where he says to Krennic, be careful not to choke on your ambition. It's like, ooh, <laughs> man, yeah, I love it. The other thing that I have to point out, it's not a Star Wars episode, but I don't reference the cartoons um, uh, in Star Wars Rebels in the later seasons. So seasons three and four, there's the 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 main villain there, Grand Admiral Thrawn, is uh, pushing his. TIE fighter project. He's got this new TIE fighter that's faster, better shielded, all this stuff. So he's pushing that. And it's having some trouble getting off the ground because the Rebels are sabotaging everything. And so Grand Moff Tarkin will come and visit in some episodes. And he references like, yeah, this TIE this Tie fighter project is really cool, but Director Krennic's Death Star project is you know we've been very impressed with it and we're looking at moving forward with that and I think that's a interesting connection of there of like oh yeah this is all happening over here mm-hmm. while th- and there's different things within the Empire that are trying to get done. Uh, so I, I, I again, a so shout out to the cartoons. Um, well, no, I, honestly, I was, I was going to
0: bring the, I was going to bring the animated movies or animated uh, shows up anyway, because I, I, we're in that territory between three and four where, you know, a lot of these animated shows are, that that's where they're, that's where these take place. I mean, we're in this territory of the prequels before the original and in, you know, it's right to have those connections. I mean, it, it really is ripe, And I, I'm sure you're in your glory watching some.
1: Of oh, cause I mean, ultimately both bad batch and rebels are between three and four. Yeah. And it's all at this, like, you know, bad batch is showing kind of what's happening to the clone troopers at the beginning, you know, right when it happens and rebels is kind of showing the beginning of this rebellion, which, um, both of them, uh, have are. are do a, an interesting job at that. I, I thought bad batch ended very well. Um, and it, it started out great. The middle was kind of slow and then, and then it picked up at the end of what I thought was a really good arc. Um, but, uh, rebels just has a it, rebels has a really good, the seasons follow really great. Here's the beginning of the rebellion and now it gets bigger and, And they really go into some of the deeper meaning of the Force and all this other stuff. And it was a very good four-season arc. So, uh, you know, if you haven't already, uh, you know, checked out the Star Wars cartoons, (laughs) uh, highly recommend that you watch them all. Because it it does. It does make some connections. And every so often they do a retcon that we don't like, which is the the over-the-top that you're like, okay... Really didn't need that mm-hmm. But for the most part the retcons And the the stuff that's inserted Feels natural as, And as a part of the universe
0: I think it's also worth Pointing out as we kind of move forward the conversation Here that I don't think we would have The Smorgasbord Of the Star Wars content That's not Skywalker Saga That we have now had Rogue One not been as successful as it was. I think Rogue One, if I'm not mistaken, I said it grossed over a billion dollars. Yeah, $1.056 billion against a budget of 220 million, which by the way, is one of the most expensive movies ever made, right? So it grossed over a billion dollars. It actually won some Academy Awards for some special effects and things like that. And again, it is a very, very well-received star wars movie in the star wars universe had all of that not happened we would not have the mandalorian right now i, I think rogue one paved the way to show that you can tell these tiny stories within the broader universe and make people e- even tie them slightly just slightly you know i, I think the i think the the Ro- rogue one gave us the the Luke Skywalker cameo at the end of Mandalorian Season 2 because it showed us that you can tie it to this broader universe that everybody knows without having to lay it on thick. Um, and, and I think, honestly, that was the start of, of where we're at right now. I, I would argue that right now is the prime time to be a Star Wars fan out of any point in history, even when the originals first came out, because you have so many options to, to en- envelop yourself in the lore of star Wars. And I don't think any of that could have happened without this movie.
1: Oh, I completely agree. Cause they would have, I mean, already you kind of see the effects that solo had where they had a bunch of other like star Wars stories planned and yeah. they kind of all, all of a sudden fell by the wayside. Though I will say I think the that I think that Disney Plus and the success of Disney Plus caused them, I think, to move a lot of those stories to Disney Plus series. Because I had heard they were going to make like a Boba Fett movie, and I wonder if that evolved into the Book of Boba Fett. Oh, I, and, I'm very much
0: yeah. Because, but you know what's interesting about that to me, and this is this is something that has perplexed me a little bit. So. Let's take a let's think about a movie about Boba Fett. If they were to do a, do a movie about Boba Fett, let's say it's got a 150 million dollar budget, right? It, it, it would they'd be able to put that out there and it would return a billion dollars. Well, maybe not right now with COVID, but pre COVID, it it could very much return a billion dollars. You have when you go and make a movie or a, sorry a TV show about Boba Fett with the same quality standards as a movie. They're still going to invest probably $100 million in this TV show. Where's the
1: return on investment? Uh, That's the big question that I have, not just for Star Wars, but for all these Marvel Disney Plus series and all this other stuff. I mean, I guess there's some merch sales. But they're going to have the merch sales anyway, though. um, I mean, so there's there's some of that. I mean, I I guess it's the running cost of Disney Plus, they're saying is going to be more over time than grossing x amount of dollars
0: but that's that's what i'm trying that's i guess what i'm trying to figure out like i've been racking my brain around this because if you figure right now a disney plus subscription is what 12 bucks a month
1: no it's yeah. like i mean it's i'm paying 70 dollars a year okay but I'm, th- I'm thinking the newer ones right? well maybe it's hulu and and
0: a disney plus okay so let's just call, okay so call it 70 dollars a year you know if in order to 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 make up That $100 million budget, right? Just on that one movie, you'd have to – let me see here. $100 million divided by 70. You'd have to have 1.4 million subscribers pay for a whole year to be able to make up just the budget of $100 million just for one show. Like I I guess I'm just having a hard time understanding – what the I guess the 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 business decision is making a movie versus making a making a TV show. I mean, for us, I, I absolutely love it. You get more content, but where's the where's the where's the business side of it? I don't know. I'm confused by it. I I think
1: it hmm I think it has to do with um keeping the brand relevant. I know that seems stupid in terms of Star Wars because you're like, well, Star Wars is one of the most relevant things in the world. But I mean, think about it with Marvel. Marvel has the MCU has been on our discussion in not necessarily on this podcast, but just in general, where we went from WandaVision. To uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, to Loki, to um, Black Widow, to Shang Chi, to Marvel What If, to um, you know, we're gonna get the Hawkeye series and Eternals and Spider Man. Like it is, it, and so while all of that aren't thea- isn't theatrical release, it's keeping us in engaged in the brand, and so ergo, maybe I'm more likely to. Uh, I'm more likely to go see a movie opening weekend because I'm engaged in the storyline and what's going on, rather than saying, you know what, whatever, I'll catch it when I catch it. I'll I'll wait till it comes on Disney Plus. Like it keeps you engaged in the brand. I guess. Yeah, that's that's the only other can think of.
0: I guess the other possibility too is, you know, we see that one billion dollar take, but in the same regard. Just because it grossed $1 dollars, $1 does not mean that's what Disney actually saw. You know, you got you got to pay the distribution fees, you got to pay the fees for the theaters, you got to pay the mark. I mean, that two hundred and twenty million dollars that Rogue One used to make the movie doesn't even include the marketing that they put out there, which a lot of times can be as much as the creation cost or, or or close to it. So if you figure even if that's half that, so now they're up to three hundred and You know, thirty thousand dollars in cost plus the distribution costs and stuff. So I guess, I guess I can see how maybe this suddenly you don't have to worry about all that because it's just in one streaming spot and you're the one distributing it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I don't know. I guess. I guess it just remains to be seen if this is a remains to be seen if this is a viable model going forward i mean i don't know if you saw they announced i think with one exception on a movie they're going to put out on christmas eve all the rest of the content from the walt disney company is going to be in theaters the rest of the year there's no more no which more.
1: makes sense I it, the only way that premiere access was going to stay was if it was a boom just a huge boom like we're not talking like oh we made a little bit of profit like it had to go explode to the point where they had no choice but to keep it or I, I just... or it
0: will come back after they've renegotiated all or after any new contracts that they have like my thought is these movies they have in the can already the contracts about the money and who gets it and where it comes from it doesn't include streaming rights, where I think this whole Black Widow lawsuit, I think, is going to make them rethink their contracts.
1: Yeah, well, I think agents of actors and actresses are probably already, yep, for new movies going okay, um, because that was a big thing. I remember listening to a podcast of someone who was in the movie Draft Day, which is a football movie, and um, it comes out on TV all the time around the NFL draft because people are like, oh, the NFL draft's coming. Oh, cool, draft day. I'll watch that. I'm in a draft mood. And he was saying, like, he gets, you know, a small cut every time that that movie is on TV. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, if it's exclusively on a streaming service, I don't know, like, I don't think he, that actor, would get that kind of cut. And I think that's the whole crux of this argument right now is, how, how do you yeah but also if it's exclusively on a streaming service i don't know how that contract is going to get negotiated to a point of like um is it downloads?
0: Like, do you find yourself like one one hundredth of a penny for every download or something, you know, like, or every stream, or every time someone hits play. And the thing about it is, is the new Disney doesn't release that data about, about how many times a particular movie is shown or what, you know,
1: percentage of traffic is from what. So anyway,
0: we are way off topic. Yeah, you know, whatever.
1: Um, okay. Let's, let's go. Um, favorite characters. We, we always talk this favorite characters from rogue one. Oh my goodness. Um,
0: let me see here. Hold on. Honestly, I think as as I think through it, I, I am a huge fan of K2SO. I really like the way he's played. Um, Alan Tudyk just does a phenomenal job. I also think Forrest Whitaker as Saw Gerrera, um does a really good job. Again, not I know he's in the in the animated the animated shows, and you kind of introduced me to how he was in the animated. And I've watched a couple of the animated with him in it and just kind of see his life as an old man. Now it is really interesting. And to watch the way that he plays that. Um, so I, I would say that would be, uh, either K2SO, um, Saw Gerrera or or even Generoso,
1: and I'm going to interject here. What I love about how Star Wars has set this up is you can watch this movie and appreciate Saw Gerrera as a character without having that previous knowledge. Absolutely. So yeah. you didn't have to come into this movie being like, wait, I got to watch four episodes of a cartoon before I go into this movie. Yeah. Like you, you can you can get a sense of who he is as a character mm-hmm. without that. Um, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat with you know K2SO. I think just rocks it, and I think his his death at the end. Is is a very emotional death where it's it, he's holding off the stormtroopers and finally just gets overwhelmed and takes out the uh, takes out the control panel. And, and that was just to, to go out like that was just awesome. And his lines were the funniest, his snarkiness. Um, I, I love, you know, he is a true droid in that it is all about the numbers. Like, why are we doing this? This is stupid. We only have a this percentage chance. It's very, it's almost like a C-3PO is a nice droid. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, yeah whereas K-2SO is C-3PO, except if he was like a, a cocky a and jerk. a jerk. Kind of <laughs> a jerk.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you on that one. Any and, Anything? Sorry, go ahead. So,
1: no, go, go ahead.
0: I was going to say okay any any characters or parts of the movie that rub you the wrong way.
1: Honestly not really. Um I am I'm on the record probably on this podcast if not in in my own conversations and I stand by it. I think this is the best Star Wars movie that has ever been made. I am <clears throat> I am not in that to where I am going to try to convince you otherwise, because if you were to say, no, 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 I think Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie. Here's why X, Y, Z. Yeah, those are all great things. But for me personally, I think this is the best Star Wars movie out there. Interesting. I, I, I.
0: I, I respect it completely, and I definitely think it's probably in my top three, but my, my favorite to this day is, is, is still um, Rise of Skywalker. I think it's the best one ever made, but we'll, we'll get to that. Wow, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know. We'll get to that. But there's, <laughs> there's reasons behind it. I think, I'm a sucker for sequels. You know that. I'm yes, a sucker yes. for things that wrap up, and, and I think I think that Abrams does an amazing job wrapping everything up in that movie. But we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, did, we you have have six parts,
1: did you um, have any parts that didn't, didn't do it for you?
0: No, not really. I mean – I I wasn't as high on um uh, uh the the blind guy whose name is escaping me Ch- Ch- Chirrut I think it is mm-hmm, um, I wasn't I wasn't as I wasn't as I wasn't as high on him and in his his uh, bodyguard or, or whatever. There's this whole I'm one with the force the force is one with me I kind of got bored by that part of it. Because in my mind, you know, you shouldn't. You know, in order to wield the force, you have to be a a Jedi. In my mind, but, uh, but that that was okay. I mean, I I understand what they were doing. They were kind of setting up a band of ragtag people to do what they had to do. But no, not really. I don't think there was anything that was bad about
1: it. Um, I think I'm in agreement with you that I think that character is slightly overrated. I still think it's a good character, and I think there's some interesting of like force sensitive people that are not Jedi is an interesting arc, but. Um, but yeah, I I think that it at the, in first seeing that movie, that was like everyone's go-to character. And as I've watched it more, I'm like, honestly, and this makes me really excited for the upcoming Disney Plus show, Cassian Andor is way more exciting and interesting of a character to me. And that's why I'm really excited for Andor, the Disney Plus series, which I think comes out next year, and the whole spy network like a star wars spy show heck yeah <laughs> i am <man. laughs> I think for me i just i really enjoyed the connections
0: and and i, I think that, i think my favorite parts of the movie were just how it did such a great job interweaving all the connections to the past into the future like that that to me i think was the best you know i want to talk a little bit about the um the digital technology used on, on grand mof tarkin and and princess leia I, for some reason, a lot of people criticized that there was a lot of criticism about it. But I thought it was very well done. I think that we're probably five to ten years out from having like even better technology to where you can't even tell anymore. I mean, we're we're based, you could basically do a deep fake now online and go, "Whoa!" Have you seen the um, uh, the the Back to the Future deep fake with Robert Downey Jr. Jr. and um, Tom Hiddleston?
1: I have Whether. not seen this. Oh
0: my God! All you gotta do is just YouTube. Do this after the show. YouTube Back to the Future, um, Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Hiddleston. It's the scene when Christopher Lloyd and um, uh, Marty McFlyer, you know, Doc and Marty McFlyer, at the high school, and they're talking about how they're gonna, you know, get back. But they've superimposed Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Hiddleston's fake face on it. And I'm telling you, you can't even tell, like, it looks like it belongs there. My point is, I think they did a great job with princess Leia. I mean, I literally thought that was her. Um, and I think, uh, grandma Tarkin did a phenomenal, I think they did a great job on him too.
1: I have a a existential question about the anti-aging technology. Is it, Is it a, I guess, is it a good thing in this context? So, you know, what it used to be is, okay, I'm making a movie and I need a young actor to play this. I need a young actor to play this character. Now, I don't need a young actor. I just need an actor and I can de-age it. And so are we, in, in other cases, I think for this Star Wars case, like you can't just insert someone else into Grand Moff Tarkin's. Like you can't just be like, "Hey guys, this is Grand Moff Tarkin now," and same thing with like uh, Captain Marvel and Samuel Jackson. Like it would have been weird to put somebody else in there. I don't
0: know. I think they could have. I think they could have had a young actor in Captain Marvel. I mean, I I do. I think they could have. I think they could have done that. Of course, I'm going to talk out both sides of my mouth for a second because they did try to do it with Solo, and I think one of the reasons why Solo got the pushback that it did was that. That's not Han Solo. Harrison Ford's Han Solo.
1: But I guess would it would it have been a better movie if it was an anti-aged Harrison Ford? You mean a, an actual I aged? Like yeah, the, so like Harrison the, Ford the played played in Solo, but just they anti-aged him down. I don't I don't think that necessarily was the problem. I think that that whole argument I think is a fake argument. I think it's. I, would I, you
0: I, call it a? deep fake
1: argument. Uh, <laughs> but I'm <bumped>. uh, <laughs> Thing. I don't know. I just it's it's an interesting question that that you know we have this technology and it's this this is not the first movie to do something that I know Robert De Niro played I think like I think some kind of gangster you know he was in a gangster movie where they anti-aged him you know they they've done it in the Marvel movies they've done it it it, it just is a technology that I go hmm I'm not sure I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, I, I feel like it might be,
0: how'd you feel about, and this wasn't the aging technology, but it was still technology of old footage that was used. How'd you feel about Carrie Fisher's, the use of her footage that was shot for force awakens originally, but it was used in, um, episode nine.
1: That, that to me is fine. If you, okay. if you are using previously used stuff, I think that's okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Like I, this is not a fully developed argument here, and I. I, I no, think- I know it's not. I think it's a very good
0: just conversation. An- I mean, it, it's an interesting conversation because I think, again, we are five to ten years away. I mean, they're they're already saying that that there was a there, there's a, a, a an amateur uh, digital effects guy who has come out to to Lucasfilm and said, I can do what you did with Luke Skywalker at the end of the Mandalorian better. And he's proven it. He's been able to do it. And I don't know if it's ever made its way out or not, but like, I think we're five years out or less from, I mean, at some
1: point, will you even need actors anymore?
0: (laughs) uh, (laughs) Look at what you did with the lion King. I mean,
1: (laughs) yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Cause yeah, the lion King is one of those that yeah, fully, fully CGI and, and looks really good. Like that's the thing is, is it it visually looks stunning. While I think the movie was just a boring rehash. Yeah. um, Different
0: different conversation,
1: but that's a different conversation. But I mean, jungle book, I guess I can use as not a boring rehash where that movie looks great. Um, but it is, you know. Do we just need stand-ins? Even like, if you need to capture human motion, do you just need stand-ins that can capture the motion, mm-hmm. and then you can superimpose whomever's face you want? So I don't, you know. know. Are, are we are we know. are we five to ten years away from Marilyn Monroe starring in the next MCU film because we can just plop her in there? <laughs> That was a really weird example. But was the first two <laughs> things. Say, are
0: could, you uh, are you a Marilyn Monroe fan or something? I, 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 I was mean, thinking, sorry, I mean, if you think in, about in, it, though, in,
1: in, in the theater that it, uh, the old people have, there's a Marilyn Monroe poster. So ah. whenever I walk in there, it's Marilyn Monroe looking at me. If you think about
0: it, though, we have been kind of struggling or kind of grasping with this question for a while. Think of Forrest Gump, how they how they put in you know old footage footage of. Elvis Presley or of uh, John F Kennedy or Richard Nixon and Forrest Gump and they aligned all that stuff up. That was in the early 90s. I mean, that was like 92 or 93, you know? So, I think it's a fair question. So, do you have anything else you want to talk about with the movie?
1: Um, I, really I mean, it, it's it's great. Everything's great. I think it paces well. I think it ties in well. I agree with you. It it was really kind of the linchpin of getting all of this new Star Wars content. We don't have the Star Wars content we have today with Rogue One. I think we have episode 789, but I don't think we're... And maybe The Mandalorian gets made, but I don't think we're looking at all of this content. And even I wonder, too, if, if this also created more okay, I like stories that are not episodic, so mm-hmm. I am going to go check out the cartoons now. Oh, my gosh, I like this. And so now does this mean that we're getting more cartoons because of that? Like, is Bad Batch a thing that is a thing? It, or does the the final season of The Clone Wars get made if we don't have? I, I think this is a very big linchpin in the Star Wars universe. I think it's also worth pointing out, too, that I, I
0: wonder if we'd have Galaxy's Edge, And I only say that because, you know, you think about Galaxy's Edge, you think about the Galactic Star Cruiser, you know, that's all being told as its own separate adventure within the Star Wars universe that is very loosely tied to what happened with Skywalker, but you don't have to know the Skywalker saga to to enjoy it. I'm almost wondering if, if, you know, they saw the success of Rogue
1: One. I mean, I don't know. I I think Galaxy's Edge exists, but I'll bet it's not your own story yeah I'll bet they right. put it in some kind of timeline of like um, of you know it, this is the planet in between episode three and four and here's what's happening like yeah. really it it's it's kind of you know the Galactic Star Cruiser is your own story Galaxy's Edge yes it's set in a time period but also that seems to be coming more and more loose as the time goes on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think they're becoming more okay with it because fans are becoming more okay with the idea that, yeah, this can just be its own thing. I don't need it to be in this specific time period. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts before we uh, get out of here?
1: It's been kind of a slow Disney. You know, Disney released all that stuff, and then it's kind of been slow Disney news. So there's the not pandemic. really they're not
0: trying to suck money out of us right now. <laughs> Yet. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Knock on um, some wood, I
1: suppose. Um, so we'll we'll you know we we usually start off the show with a you know a bunch of news, but there really just wasn't much to report at this at this point so yeah. so next week we've got uh i just just looking at it hold on i think uh it's our discon- we're doing a discontinued yeah, discontinued disney
0: next week that's what it was yep so discontinued disney next week and then the week after that we have got the um shang review that's right and then the week after that we have got the Cruella review you know what's hilarious about that is I literally after we talked about that I've already watched it again and I plan to watch it again that movie have you seen it yet
1: I have not I've been, oh, I've been waiting it is so
0: good so good like you and your is your wife seen it yet
1: no, she hasn't. Okay,
0: the two of you need to sit down and watch it. Like it, okay. You're gonna like even if, even if it's not for like because I think you need to watch it together, and then maybe if you want to watch it again, it's like a recap. Like it's that good, Matt. Like this is one of
1: those movies you can watch oh, over and over again. Like, see, I'm I'm really I, apprehensive. I hear what you're saying, but I'm just really apprehensive going in. What so. are you
0: apprehensive about?
1: I don't like Corella DeVille as a villain. So yeah. an origin story to me is like, who cares? Okay. Uh, it's a like, so what is her origin story of how she hates puppies? Like,
0: I can't I'm even, sure it's not it. like, like I, I cannot even explain to you how you're going to come out of this movie going. I can't believe I waited that long. Like I, cause I, I was not excited to see the movie and I went to go see it cause I was off and I went to the theater, $5 popcorn and it's a good
1: movie. It okay. really is. I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely trying to uh, push away any preconceived notions because, because I think this happens all the time with movies where mm-hmm. I go into a movie and I'm excited about it. And so I, I have the rose colored glasses where even if the movie is deeply flawed – I want it to be good so I concoct a reality in my mind that it's good. <laughs> okay. And I think the opposite can happen that if right. I go into Cruella thinking this movie is going to be bad and I want it to be bad, I'm going to create a reality in which it is bad. So I am trying to go in open mind. It is neither good nor bad. I have not seen it. I need to form here, here, my own opinion. Here's why I will tell you. You
0: will find yourself in that movie rooting for Cruella DeVille.
1: Okay, all right.
0: That, that's that, that's the best. Like, you will find yourself, like, going, yeah! Like, seriously, you will find yourself rooting for Cruella DeVille. Like, okay. I never thought that was going to happen.
1: Yeah, do I want that? Yes,
0: you do. Do I? <laughs> you do. Trust me, you do.
1: Uh, okay, well, I, I'm going to save this whole discussion for that episode.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you're going to... Oh, all right, anyway. It is closing time. How do they get all of us?
1: You can email us beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook group, Beers and Ears Podcast. That's where we post a lot of intermittent news and have lots of fun, to be honest with you. We got a fun group. Fun group of people that post different stuff, and we love it. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, at beers ears 1928 I am working on getting that up and running some more. I've been very sporadic in my posting, and I apologize for that. Life has been very very nuts but i am stabilizing here um and so i'm making a point to get on that but i feel like i need to apologize because i'm i've been very sporadic with it um do, 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 do. rate review us uh you can give us that five star especially on apple podcasts um write a little review um it really really does help we are noticing that um i've had people like text me or call me and say hey your podcast showed up on on a like, Things you might like recommendations. Oh, really? And yeah, and so oh. like that's that is all thanks to you all. Like that's 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 yours. We stuff should take out some out.
0: advertising or something. Yeah. I don't know. Oh exactly. ho oh, oh. ho! Yeah, speaking of that, I, as we were watching the movies, um, at, I was watching a movie at this local theater, and you know how they'll advertise that you can advertise here. I was like, I wonder how much it would cost to advertise for the beers and Ears podcast
1: on the big screen for like you know, two weeks or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so. Uh, thank you everyone we appreciate it Um, yeah I I think that's it I think we raise our glasses
0: yes let's go ahead and raise our glasses this episode has been on us we will see you again next week have a great day bye everyone